Hello and welcome to Complete Caribbean, a Travel Pulse podcast all about the world's favorite warm weather destination, the Caribbean. I'm writer, editor, and Caribbean travel expert, Jet Set Sarah. And I'm Brian Major, managing editor here at Travel Pulse. We're happy to have you join us today as we discuss the ins and the outs of Caribbean travel and we share the latest info and intelligence on this wonderfully diverse region. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Complete Caribbean podcast. Today is Monday, December 6th. I am Sarah Greaves Gavadon, aka Jet Set Sarah. And I'm Brian Major. Hello, everybody. Hi, everybody. We're happy to have you with us. As always, we're feeling pretty festive as we get closer to the holidays. And we've got lots and lots of news, really, really big news. So we're going to get straight started with this just in. So this week, I'm very excited because we're, well, for a change, we are kicking off the podcast, not with the usual travel entry requirement changes. Those will come later, I promise. But with some really monumental news. Last week, Barbados became the Caribbean's and the world's newest republic. In a ceremony in the capital of Bridgetown on November 30th, which, by the way, is also the 55th anniversary of the island's independence from the UK, the island formally transitioned to a parliamentary republic. The Queen was removed as a head of state and replaced by the island's former Governor General, Dame Sandra Mason, as the Prime Minister. We the people must give, sorry, as the President, We the people must give Republic Barbados its spirit and its substance, she said. We are each other's and our nation's keepers. We the people are Barbados. And every time I read that line, I get goosebumps. I think it's really powerful. You know, this was an important moment for Barbados, which is shedding the last vestiges of British colonial rule after all these years. So in 2022, I think all eyes are going to be on the island as they navigate the first miles of this sort of Republican road. And I predict that they'll also be on other former former Caribbean colonies, including Jamaica, which still have the Queen as their head of state and where the desire for full sovereignty is already, I think, rightfully being expressed. Oh, and before, before I go, let me just tell you, sidebar, simultaneously at the ceremony, the singer Rihanna, who's been an official ambassador of Barbados since 2008, don't you know? She was actually made a national hero. So, woohoo you, Riri, go, go, go. Uh, that's right. I, 2018. Actually, I think you said 2008. But uh, Sorry, 18, right. yes. 2018. We are all, with Beijing Heritage, we are all proud of, uh, of what's occurred. And, uh, and certainly, uh, you know, yes, I, you know, I celebrate Rihanna as a national hero who has aided the country and has helped in philanthropic ways to assist mm-hmm. Barbados in many ways. Um, she is a yes, because most people don't realize they didn't just make her a national hero because she's a singer. She actually has a foundation that does a lot of very significant and huge work for Barbados and Barbadians, Bajans. And um, I don't know, I'm very proud of her and so proud of the country. It's a step Absolutely. in the right direction, I think. Can we cannot question that? We we both feel the same way, and. Uh, you know, so let's move on to another part of the Caribbean, the French Caribbean, where guess what? Flights are, are expanding. Uh, on November 23rd, Air France launched expanded service to Guadeloupe from Montreal and New York. Air France now flies weekly between Guadeloupe's Pointe à Pietre International Airport and Pierre Trudeau International Airport in Montreal. The route departs Tuesdays from Guadeloupe and returns Wednesdays from Montreal. 
A second weekly flight departs Fridays from Guadalupe and returns Saturdays from Montreal. And that starts today on December 6th. So there you go. Air France also launched twice weekly flights to Guadalupe from JFK, New York on November 24th. Now, it's important to note that Air France is offering fully modifiable tickets for travel through June 30th, 2022 on purchases made on or before January 31st, 2022. Customers can modify their reservation free of charge or request a refundable credit voucher if they no longer wish to travel. And as we can see from recent events, Flexibility is a valuable Absolutely. benefit mm-hmm. <laughs> to have. So that's all your friends. In fact, let me just interject here, Brian, and say that a friend of mine said to me that when you're planning travel now, you don't really just have to think about where do I want to go? You have to think about where do I not mind being stranded? That is a wonderful point. <laughs> right? That's right? the process. Where, where could I quarantine for 14 days if I horribly, you know, in the unlikely event or the horrible event that I got COVID? Where could I quarantine for 14 days? So, so you hear that, everyone? That is that is uh, that's part of the equation now. Part of the part of the the questions you need to ask yourself. Now, Guadalupe remains open to visitors despite recent public protests against COVID-19 measures. Media reports say 36 percent, 36 percent of Guadalupe citizens have received a first coronavirus vaccination shot. Interestingly. French officials said late last month that they are considering and willing to discuss autonomy for Guadalupe if it is in the interest of the people who live there. (laughs) I mean, I love that wording. Well, I don't like that wording at all. But, you know, if we are willing to discuss autonomy for the own Guadalupean people, if it's in the interests of the Guadalupean people who live there, I mean... Talk about some coded language. (laughs) I don't know if we would ever consider autonomy something that anybody would want to not want to possess. So that that statement kind of speaks for itself. And, you know, as I've I've looked into it and I understand um, there is resistance in Guadalupe to uh, vaccination. And I think it's based not as much on a distrust of science, but a distrust of past policies with France and and the colony, Mm -hmm. uh, the colonial uh, history uh, regarding France and vaccines and their use. So um, it's going to take a lot more uh, education and trust between the people and the government for things to progress uh, on the vaccination front. But again, this is something we inform you about because we want you to be have all the information to consider when you consider traveling to different parts of the Caribbean. The picture's not the same everywhere. And you need to know what the factors are. Guadalupe is open and these are the realities. So, uh, so there you go. Well said, Brian. Well said. So moving on, you know, I promised you that we were going to talk about COVID, <laughs> the ever-changing COVID-related yeah. travel entry requirements for Caribbean islands, as we do every week. And this week is no different. So let me clue you into what's happening in three different destinations right now. In St. Kitts and Nevis. As of December, uh, excuse me, as of November 23rd, visitors who've, who have completed their 24-hour vacation in place or quarantine can, once they've received a negative COVID test result, freely roam around the island on tours. Previously, visitors had to remain at their hotels for the duration of their visit, hence the term vacation in place. 
But now they can do all the things, including touring the fort at Brimstone Hill, my favorite shopping at Carabelle Batik, and riding St. Kitts Scenic Railway, also known as the Sugar Train, all around the island. The only caveats are that you must book in advance through your hotel, you must use an approved taxi to get there, and you must show proof of vaccination once you arrive, which all seems very reasonable to me. Visitors are also now free to stay at multiple hotels on a single trip, and you can also combine stays in St. Kitts with its sister island, St. Nevis, which absolutely makes sense because if you're going to Nevis, you have to go through St. Kitts, and if you're going to St. Kitts, you'd be crazy not to visit Nevis, which is just 30 minutes away by ferry. So um, if you want some more information about that destination, go straight to the source, stkittstourism.km and to nevisisland.com. We have all the details because, as you know, these change all the time, these requirements. So we always advise that you go straight to the official tourism website. Over in Grenada, the government removed the quarantine retirement requirement for visitors on November 15th. Now, as long as you receive a negative result from the mandatory rapid test on arrival, you'll be good to go. Check puregrenada.com for all the details. And then last but not least, in Bermuda, which yes, yes, I know is not the Caribbean, but we claim it as such, they've loosened restrictions so that when you, you are applying to enter, you can now present results from a rapid test, not just the more expensive PCR test for your travel application. For more information, surf over to gotobermuda.com and get the full scoop. So there you go. They're always changing, but you can always rely on us to give you these new updates as soon as we get them. Hot off the press. Hot off the presses. First, first with the first with the information. And, uh, you know, and continuing in that vein, we are traveling, Sarah and I, to Anguilla. Yes. This week. We will together, be together. Same destination together. You're... Your two co-hosts of Complete Caribbean on the job, as always, bringing yep. you the latest <laughs> from the territory. So we are traveling to Anguilla, which we've had a lot of Anguilla information recently. I, um, I spoke last month with Kenroy Herbert, chairman of the Anguilla Tourist Board. And last month, we actually had Stacey Lieberg, who's ATB's director. But uh, my, my chat with Kenroy was more of a kind of a, a big picture a view of uh, Anguilla's tourism future. And he had a few points to make. One was that Anguilla is, is planning a new ferry point, a new ferry port at Blowing Point. It's a key entry point for Anguilla. It's really the main way you enter Anguilla. Mm -hmm. And Sarah and I will be doing that <laughs> this, later this week. Um, and Kenroy said that as a high-end destination, Anguilla should have a high-end experience at every touch point. They want to bring that to the port. In addition to some new facilities, the revamped port will feature live entertainment on heavy arrival days and a deluxe amenities atmosphere. Anguilla should have this experience, uh, Kenroy said, and he expects the ferry port to be completed by the first quarter of 2023. So not right away, but not too long from now. Now, the Anguilla Tourist Board also handles the dock at St. Martin's Princess Juliana International Airport. That's where you catch the boat to get to the blowing point terminal in Anguilla. And ATB is in negotiations with a private company for a new public-private port facility there. It would accommodate 4,000 passengers on its heaviest days. And the St. Martin terminal will be a deluxe, uh, a deluxe 
facility, of course. A large facility featuring VIP departure lounges, a large main departure lounge, and restaurants, bars, and retail shops. Now, finally, Ken Roy mentioned his recent conversation with Richard M. Schultz, who's the owner of the new Aurora Anguilla Resort, which Sarah and I will be touring. We're going to be able to tell you all about it. We're going to be touring it this week. Mm -hmm. And this is the former highly regarded Cuisinart property, one of the top properties really in Anguilla. Now, Ken Roy said Mr. Schultz wants to, and Aurora to be among the top 100 resorts, not in just the Caribbean, but in the world. He says already the new owner has re revamped the golf course, which Kenroy says didn't really need revamping, but he's revamped it. So, so it's spectacular. Uh, Mr. Schultz has also hired a two-star Michelin chef to oversee the food and beverage program. He's created a hydroponic farm to supply produce to the restaurant. And according to Kenroy, he's planning a kid's water park, well, family water park, that will be designed by Disney designers. And Kenroy says the project itself will uplift the entire profile of Anguilla. Now it's already considered a high-end destination, a luxury destination, but any project like this is gonna be something very special. And that's, I think that's basically what Kenroy is saying. We're in, we're in store for something very special. We'll be able to tell you about it. Yeah, we definitely will. And I have to say, you know, Anguilla has a very discerning high-end, uh, high net, net worth clientele. And yes, um, right now when you arrive, I remember the first time I arrived to Anguilla, I was surprised that it seemed so sort of rustic. You know, it was this, this island had this reputation of being very posh, but the arrival experience, while friendly, is kind of rustic and there's nothing slick or particularly luxurious about it. So I can see why they want to upgrade the whole experience so that from the moment your journey begins to Anguilla, you feel like I'm going to somewhere posh, basically. Perfectly put, because it, it, it's not, it belies kind of the, the, the reputation mm -hmm. it has when you, when you first arrive. So yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good news to hear from Anguilla, one of my favorite islands. And coming up in our island intel section, which, you know, where we have guests join us, we'll be talking to someone from another of my favorite islands. So let's hear what she has to say. Well, you know, when, I, when we're talking about islands, I always say from my favorite island, but I swear all of them are my favorites, but this one is kind of more my favorite. Today's guest, today's guest, we're thrilled to have from the Turks and Caicos Islands, one of my personal favorites, Miss Stacy Cox. She is the CEO of Turks and Caicos Hotel and Tourism Association. Thank you so much for joining us, Stacy. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You podcasters, podcast listeners, you will not know, but Stacey's actually joining us from France, all the way from France. So we feel very privileged to have her. She's uh, representing her destination at a luxury travel trade show. Both Brian and I both know that uh, the Turks and Caicos is a very luxurious destination. So it's exactly where she needs to be right now, right, Stacey? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was thinking the, the only thing I should have brought was some Turks and Caicos sunshine um, to yes. this destination. But um, it's beautiful nonetheless, and it's great to be back in an in-person event, uh, one mm -hmm. of two that I've experienced um, in this year. So it's absolutely a pleasure to be out and to see familiar faces so far. 
Good, good. I mean, speaking of that, you know, so this is your second event since the pandemic and, you know, pandemic has changed the way we travel. Talk to us about, just tell us briefly, what are the entry requirements for people from the United States and from across the world who want to come to the Turks and Caicos right now? Well, it's pretty easy. Um, we just um, would receive vaccinated guests only, and you would need uh, either a PCR or an antigen test to enter the destination. You fill out um, the TCI Assured government portal, you get your approval, and there it is, you're in. Sorry, you would need um, insurance as well to enter the destination. Okay. So vaccinated and, guests and there's only. there's no quarantine, right? There's no quarantine, absolutely no quarantine. So the hurdle, if you call it that, is um, being a vaccinated guest, your PCR or antigen test, um, insurance, and fill out your TCI short, and then you're on your way to Turks and Caicos. To Nothing mm -hmm. to stand between you and the conch. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, we, well, we know that uh, TNC has been uh, really uh, accepting uh, travelers, visitors for quite a, quite a while compared to some of the other Caribbean destinations and safely, uh, things seem to be going well. Um, you've, 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 the destination has hurdled, has gone through all the hurdles and changes. So here's another, um, giving Stacy, given the new 24 hour pre-travel testing requirements for travelers returning to the U.S. to the U.S., how do you, how are the local resorts and clinics meeting this increased demand and this increased challenge? So we opened our borders in June 20, uh, June 22nd, 2020, and it has been um, some ebbs and flows. So we had some economic shocks when um, the CDC's requirement changed for testing um, prior to um, leaving a country and re-entering um, the United States. Um, thankfully, with the help of our Ministry of Health, we were able to get hotels as testing stations. So right now in the destination, we have about 22, give or take, testing station with more than 60% of them being in the major resorts in the destination. So we're equipped and we're ready to, and able to handle um, the new requirement by the U.S. That is great. Um, um, and I'm not really surprised. <laughs> We're not surprised, are we, Brian? Really, it's a very Turks and Caicos way of handling things. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, um, tourism professionals and professionals at it. And, um, you know, in fact, it's funny because I see Stacy more often at conferences. And I don't know if I've ever seen Stacy in the Turks and Caicos. I know you have, Sarah. You guys have been together. <laughs> Usually I, yes, yes. I saw her early this year. I can vouch that Stacy does exist. In she does exist. <laughs> right, right. And she took me somewhere new. Oh, listeners, she took me somewhere new. You know, everybody goes to the Conk Shack, which is fantastic. But when we went early in the year, um, we couldn't dine in there. And so Stacy introduced me to a new, well, not new to me, not new to the island place that I now love and write about all the time called Boogaloo's, right? Yes. On the beach. Fabulous. We had an amazing conkalicious meal. So, yes, I can attest that we got conked out in the Turks and Caicos. <laughs> we did. We conked out. So, when you see when you're not eating conk, talk to me. I mean, as you're the CEO of the Hotel and Tourism Association, talk to me about um, how you guys reacted when the pandemic first happened. Well, our first reaction was... Um, like many, we, we, we didn't um, have a, 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 a focus at that time, but the priority was 
core communications, communication with our travel partners, communication with government, communication with the members of the hotel association. And that was communication in the form of whether it was um, um, government um, procedures and policies being handed down. It was whether the travel partners are saying that they're closing their business or they're pivoting in the environment. Um, it was just a lot of communication for the hotel association at that time. We took um, an opportunity to in-house just to keep our members engaged, provide all sorts of training and opportunities for them from how to handle um, a COVID um how to stay abreast of COVID protocols, to marketing strategies, to social media. Um, we even found ourselves having um, a mixologist classes and um, cooking mm. classes for our members. Um, it was a good thing just to have not just the members, but the travel partners engaged in, in just communicating and showing that we're down, but we're not out as a destination and we're still wanting, um, there's still a desire to remain engaged with, with everyone. Sounds smart. Very smart. It seems you did a, a tremendous, again, a tremendous job and, um, you know, continue to keep people safe and, and, and have a, a you know, a, a rebound, a, a tourism, um, a tourism comeback, uh, Stacey. How, how did the resorts in particular adapt to all of these challenges, these ups and downs? I mean, you have experience as a, as a resort operator, as a manager, um, you know the challenges involved in that. Tell me about how these these fabulous resorts, you have some of the best resorts in the Caribbean. How did these properties navigate this unprecedented challenge? Well, Brian, it was a daily um, um, turning of the curve of everything. So we most of the resorts started with cleaning protocols within the properties, um, training of the staff in order to handle um, guests in a COVID environment. And then it was um, when our borders were opening, bringing down travel partners just to see, for them to see the protocols in action and to see that, you know what, all things considered, we're still good. Um, it took the staff a minute actually to adjust um, as it would with, I guess it was with everyone around the world. Um, but right now we can safely say that um, everyone is trained, everyone protocols are in place. Mass mandates are still there. We have no curfew and guests feel really safe in the destination. We have more than 70% of the population fully vaccinated. And um, that's, wait, stop. Let, let me stop you there for a second. 70%. That's over 70%. That's got to be one of the highest percentages in the Caribbean, right, Stacey? I mean, that's, that's amazing. I think there's one that, that edges out. And I, I want to say that it's Anguilla. But we're in the top three for, for the vaccination. Right now, we have um, about 17 active cases um, in the destination. Um, all, we all know that um, or believe that COVID isn't going anywhere for a while. But I think with that, we have managed it pretty well. Um, we've received um, a second batch of booster shots and persons are on their, their boosters at this time. And um, it's, it's been a good run so far all things considered. It sounds as if um, the TCHTA was able to work with the government to help hoteliers really manage the pandemic, right? And continue to manage a pandemic with all the challenges that it keeps throwing with us. You know, we think we've got one thing under control and then uh, pops Omarion, as I call it. Right. <laughs> and then here we are. 
and then here we are. But yes. I know Brian wanted to. I know that. So, listeners, I was in the Turks and Caicos Islands twice earlier this year. I think February and April, I think, somewhere like that. So, and it was a different situation uh, to what it is now in terms of what was open and how freely you could move around. And I know that, Brian, you wanted to ask about what's going on right now, right? Yes. What are, uh, now that... Um now that we've reached this point uh, post-outbreak, uh, what are the traditional activities that are available to, uh, to visit a Stacey? Uh, can people do the things that they normally had expected to do when they visited the Turks and Caicos previously? All activities are completely open. The island is 100% open. There's no curfew. Guests can feel a sense of normal. Obviously, there are some precautionary measures that are in place. Um, but there's nothing that's that's off limit to the guests from water sports to your dining experience to nightclubs. Um, it's all just open and just ready to accept um, visitors. We've seen um, in in for Thanksgiving and even into the festive, we're seeing 80% occupancies. We're seeing more private jets than we've ever seen before, and um, we're we're completely we're, we're busy. And um, again, because of, I believe, our vaccination um, um, numbers, that guests feel a level of comfort when they come to the destination. And we have to keep reminding them that you still have to wear your mask, um, mm -hmm. but um, um, the numbers are good. All activities are open and um, Turks and Caicos is open for business completely. I've been there so many times. I mean, it is, it's that sense of safety and, 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 uh, you know, a spread out atmosphere with, you know, with the, that, that feels exclusive has always been part of the Turks and Caicos experience. And it's good to hear that that's still available. And as long as you can go to Grace Bay Beach and be on one of the outstanding <laughs> beaches of the whole world. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. So, I, so Stacey, I want to ask you as we wrap up. So you and I did a few activities while I was there earlier this year, but I wonder if you had to recommend to a visitor who was coming for the first time, um, Two things. One, what your favorite thing to do is in the Turks and Caicos. And two, what's the must do that someone, a first time visitor has to, to do? Oh, my. So my must do and my favorite is the same. Um, oh, all right, that's so, handy. The, so the must do is um, visit North and Middle Caicos. It's the, uh, there are the islands where time has completely stopped. And um, I love taking the ferry ride over there. It's just so scenic and so absolutely beautiful. Um, and when you drive, I mean, there are amazing tour companies, but I'm sort of an adventurer. So I, I always rent a car and it allows you to just see the beautiful islands and the greenery and the caves and the Flamingo Pond and Bambara Beach. And oh um, it's just one of my <laughs> absolutely favorite and must do. Um, it's like, you know, being in Turks and Pro Providencialis is a city compared to North and Middle Caicos. And mm -hmm. it's, again, it's just one of my favorite. And I believe that every guest should have that experience. I have to agree with you, Stacey. I did it once 10 years ago. And then uh, in the spring, I did it by myself. Like you, I rented a car, uh, took the ferry over from Provo to North Caicos, got in my car, drove to Middle, had the most amazing time. And I discovered, I thought, I thought that Bambara Beach was my favorite beach in the Turks and Caicos. But then somebody clued me into Wild Cow Run. Have you been down there? 
no. Oh, oh my gosh. It's a secret just between the three of us. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wild Cow Run, which is on middle. Middle is the furthest one, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you arrive on north. It's basically as at the, at the very end of Middle Caicos. It's oh. not easy to get to. It's a good 20 minutes off the road. But oh my goodness, when you get there, it is like church. I mean, it's so uh, amazing. It's so amazing. Oh Actually, I wrote about it. I wrote it about it. And it's coming out you again in December. Here. Yes. Guys, sorry. I hate to take over Stacey's thing, but yes. No, no, no. It's, it's now run. on my to-do list. Um, you got to go. absolutely on my go. to-do list. Didn't, Thank you to yeah. Charles Hanfield. Charles Hanfield, who runs the tours in North and Middle, uh, introduced me to it. And it was, I've never seen anything like it. it. It really, you feel like you have gone to church. You are in a Caribbean cathedral of sun, sea, and sand. Amazing. So anyway. did you hear? <laughs> Hallelujah. I heard, I heard the angels singing. I did. I really did hear those angels singing. Stacey, we're so happy that you were able to join us and take time out of your busy ILTM schedule in France. And, you know, the French Enjoy people, time. you go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Tell, I know that the French people will surely understand. They might be a bit jealous of how beautiful the Turks and Caicos is, but you, you do your thing. You tell them how wonderful it is. Thrilled indeed. So thank you very much, Sarah Bryan, for having me. Really appreciate it. And on my side of the world, it's Bon Nuit. In your ah, side yes. of the day, it's still Bonjour. So bonjour. as they say in French, à tout à l'heure, which is see you later. Oh. And in English, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> see you later, Stacey. All right, thank you guys. So much. Thank you so much. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thank you, Stacy Cox, Stacy CEO of the Turks and K- Turks and Caicos Hotel and Tourism Association. She's a great friend of ours. She, she's just such a thrill to talk to, and it's terrific for her to uh, make time in her schedule uh, and being overseas and and having a, a chat with us. So we appreciate that. Thanks again, Stacy. Now you know. Let's go to Island and Box. Our third segment where we talk about things that Sarah and I have noticed over the, the, the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, I did some traveling uh, and I want to give a review, a little bit of a commercial, maybe a little review of uh, St. Lucia's Coconut Bay Resort in Beaufort. Now, the first thing I want to mention is that when we arrived at the resort, get off the plane, meet our transfer, everything's going perfectly, get onto the van, we're all packed up, ready to head for the resort. And the, re- the driver turns to us and says, Welcome to St. Lucia. It'll be an hour or so to Coconut Bay. <laughs> so we kind of all look at each other like, huh? <laughs> that was a joke. It's, it's really five minutes from the airport to the resort. It couldn't be faster and more convenient. And proximity, I think, is just one underpublicized aspect of this resort, which I think may be the Caribbean's most underrated all-inclusive. Coconut Bay accommodates families, couples, wedding parties, and groups of friends on 85 acres. And that means the property is not crowded, never feels crowded. And we were there, it was near capacity, as I was told. Now, there are three main sections. Harmony is an adults-only wing that features palm-shaded pools and a thatched roof outdoor bar, uh, sun decks for two that face the ocean front. It's, it's spectacular. Splash accommodates families with colorful oceanfront facing rooms overlooking Cocoa Land. And Cocoa Land is Coconut Bay's water park. It features my personal favorite, uh, a lazy river. And uh, <laughs> I'm not the only adult 
horning in on the lazy river. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, some, sometimes the adults want to be lazy too, right? Not just kids. <laughs> exactly. The kids want to act the, the adults are satisfied floating around mm -hmm. in the water, which I was. It was terrific. And um, we also have at, uh, at this terrific resort at Coconut Bay, Serenity at Coconut Bay, which Sarah stayed at before. And she can tell you it's a hotel within a hotel. 36 villa-like suites offering seclusion and exclusivity, plus deluxe amenities, including plunge pools, outdoor showers, custom mahogany king-size beds, and oversized soaking tubs with separate rain showers in ensuite bathrooms. Serenity guests also enjoy private in-suite check-in and check-out. Means you're not standing in the lobby when you arrive at the, at the resort, you go straight to your suite and you check in there. A nice, nice feature. The Oceanfront Spa on the entire resort features indoor and outdoor treatment rooms. And the resort also features concierge services that include resort orientation and off-property dining and tour booking. They will book your off-property dining and tours. It's an all-inclusive that encourages you to, to explore. You want to explore St. Lucia. It's a magnificent natural environment. And the resort offers close proximity to the Sulphur Springs and mm -hmm. the Pitons World Heritage Site. So you're close to two of the major, uh, two of the major uh, attractions within uh, St. Lucia. And if you want to stay closer to, to the resort, a unique natural environment is, takes place at Maria Major. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> Maria Major is an uninhabited 25-acre protected offshore island that's home to indigenous bird and reptile species, harmless reptile species. Certified naturalists lead island tours or guests can simply opt to spend time relaxing on the beautiful white sand beach. I'm telling you, it is a, it's one of these special experiences that you go to the Caribbean. You, you, there's, there are things that are common to the Caribbean, but each island seems to have something of its own. And this is what uh, Maria Major is a little bit of. So, um, Terrific resort, Coconut Bay. I encourage you. St. Lucia, all-inclusive lovers, you got a good one here. You know, I like I said, as you said earlier, Brian, I have actually stayed, I've toured Coconut Bay and I've actually stayed at that uh, Serenity at Coconut Bay and really enjoyed it. But I'm a bit jealous because you got to go over to Maria Major, which I know you can see from the resort, but I did not know that you actually could do tours over there. So I think that gives me a reason. That's a, that's a justification I'm going to use anyway for going back next year. It is a must-do when you're at the resort. A must-do. Just beautiful. It's a little, it's a hidden little secret. And I have another little secret. Well, maybe not so, maybe it's sort of like a, an open secret. But did you know that one of the first amateur astronauts in the world is going to be coming from Antigua? Yes, indeed. An Antiguan health coach who's being identified right now only as Keisha S has won two seats on one of Virgin Galactic's first commercial flights. And they're scheduled to launch in about Q3 of 2022. Keisha was more of one of more than 160,000 people from all around the world who entered Virgin Galactic sweepstakes in, sweepstakes in the summer. And she was surprised just a couple of weeks ago on her doorstep by company chairman, none other than Richard Branson himself, who delivered the out of the world news to her directly. Keisha is one of 700 what Virgin Galactic are calling future astronauts 
who will break the surly bonds of earth and get there out into space. And I mean, I'm sure one of the reasons why they picked her is because I, mean, I saw the interview and she said that her daughter is studying STEM at school and is very interested in science and space. And so she's really excited to take her with her to see the world. And, and honestly, I'm excited for Keisha, her daughter, Antigua, the Caribbean, because, hey, who I, I'm sure when neither of them woke up that morning, they thought, we're going to be going to space in less than a year, right? That is really amazing. So the doorbell rings and it's like, oh, hello, I'm Richard Brandon. Right, right. Yeah, and yeah. I'm taking you to space. <laughs> so, so she will be one of the first space tourists, the, definitely the first from the Caribbean. And she says that she, like a good, proud Antiguan, plans to take the Antigua and Barbuda flag with her. So congrats to you, Keisha S. We look forward to seeing this in Q3 of 2022. Congrats, Keisha. Well, now I want to make a couple of points here. We've, we've talked a bit about uh, Barbados's independence. Sarah mentioned and uh, pointed out that that has occurred. Uh, the, the former, the country has changed its head of state. It is mm -hmm. now, as, you, as Sarah mentioned, president is Sandra Basin. The prime minister is Mia Motley. The former head of state was Queen Elizabeth II. And this marks a transition that, you know, in many ways is symbolic. Um, you know, we are proud, Sarah and I both are proud uh, descendants of Bayesian people. And we know part of Barbados's culture is pride. Uh, I often tell the story mm -hmm. of my grandmother who lived in New York and, and I'd go to her house in the 1970s and always in her glass enclosed cabinet was a prominent was a bottle of Mount Gay rum. <laughs> and at that time, Mount Gay, you know, the way they would talk about it, her and, and her sister, my relatives, you know, it really symbolized Barbados and, and their connection to the culture and their pride in their country. And I see that reflected in the desire to be a republic. And also, we mm -hmm. know that the transition from the, the centuries long transition from slavery and from the awful institution that that was to freedom, it's a long process. And this is part of it. This is another part of it. It's come, it's taken years and years to happen, but it is now important that Barbados define itself in the way that it sees fit. And it's important that we define ourselves the way we want people to see us. So yes. a republic is an important, it's a crucial step for our, for our country and uh, for Barbados, uh, the country where our ancestors come from. And we couldn't be more proud. And uh, we're happy to see that this happen. Seriously, I am so happy for Barbados. And I think, um, you know, I said earlier that we're hearing rumbling, rumblings about maybe move to, moving towards, if not being a republic, but at least removing the Queen of Petta State in Jamaica. And I think, um, I think from what you said earlier, there might be some rumblings happening down there in the French Caribbean also, Brian. That certainly, is such a great point. Right? In fact, that was one, one of the points I wanted to make when I was talking about Guadalupe and, uh, and that this is, we've had what we call the racial, a racial reckoning in the United States. This has been kind of a global, part of this same global recognition Absolutely. of recognizing the actual history and asserting how, how people want to be viewed, you know, and how people want to be considered and how they consider themselves. So it yeah. can be more important, and we're we're, we're yes. I mean, right. on a on a personal, a political, on a on a countrywide level, it's really important that people 
feel a sense of agency over their own future. And you can't do that if someone else is pulling the strings, right? So yes, as you say, it's going to be a long road. Um, it has been a long road and it will continue to be a long road. But I think hopefully at the end of it, we will see Caribbean countries, you know, um, coming into their own power eventually. It's not going to be easy, but coming into their power, into their own power, I think is a direction we should be going in. And I am going to wrap up with more news from Barbados, because it's all about Barbados today. We're, we're honestly, we're happy because it's the holidays, but we're also happy because it feels like a great time to be a Bajan, a great time to be Caribbean, a great time to be a person who writes about the Caribbean, because these are really positive news, pieces of news we're bringing. So I'm going to end this uh, sec, this this airing, this episode, that's the word, this episode of Complete Caribbean talking about Barbados again and some more exciting news. It's just been announced that the island will establish a memorial that will tell the story of the Atlantic slave trade. Prime Minister Mia Motley described the memorial as one of the most significant projects that Barbados has undertaken since independence from the UK. Ghanaian British architect Sir David Ajayi has been commissioned to design the project, which will be developed at Newton Plantation just outside Bridgetown. The memorial will join a museum and a research center next to the Newton Enslaved Burial Ground, where remains of 570 West Africans were discovered back in the 70s using LIDAR technology. Work on the memorial will start on November 30th next year, which is, of course, the first anniversary of Barbados becoming a parliamentary republic. So, I mean, so much good news, so much good news uh, coming out of Barbados. And honestly, Brian and I are happy to have some really good news to tell you once because, you know, usually we're talking about Corona and things that maybe aren't so great. So it's good to have some good news to recognize, to congratulate um, Barbados on all the good things that are happening there. Uh, as Brian and I have discussed with you before on this program, you know, the Caribbean has a rich, colorful history and a long heritage. And part of that history and heritage is, unfortunately, the abomination of slavery. And we're not trying to whitewash it, but I think it's very important. If you are a visitor today and you enjoy the Caribbean today, that you understand where the Caribbean is coming from. Because those centuries of slavery and colonialism absolutely continue to affect people, our tourism industry, every, really every aspect of Caribbean society. So, um, you know, it is important to have respect for that and to understand where the people in the destination you're going to are coming from, I think. you agree, Brian? I couldn't agree more. I think you stated it perfectly, Sarah. There's no more important part of, it has affected every aspect of Caribbean culture and Caribbean life. And, uh, and we see many monuments, especially in a place like Barbados. We see many monuments mm. and, and artifacts that, that recognize the colonial past um, that's not hidden, that's not obscured. So monuments like this one to the entire picture yes. are completely worthy and much needed. So Yes, yes. Well overdue and overdue. And I'm so happy to see Barbados doing that. So congrats to you again, Barbados. We began with congrats on your new status as a parliamentary republic. Congrats now on your new um, slave it's slavery memorial um i can't wait to see it maybe brian and i a year a year or two from now will be coming to you live from there with doing our um, complete caribbean oh. podcast who knows <laughs> but for now we're live in our respective new york and miami bases uh we're going to say thank you very much for joining us again for episode 16 i can't believe it's been 16 episodes we've really enjoyed bringing Caribbean news to you and can't wait to bring you some more in the new year. 
I think we're going to speak to you once again before we say goodbye to 2021. But until then, thank you very much for joining us. We know that you have a lot of podcasts you could be listening to. And so we're grateful that you chose this one. If you like it, please like it. Please tell your friends. Please share because we're needy like that. And we like to spread the Caribbean love. But until the next episode, I'm Sarah. I'm saying goodbye. Bye-bye, everybody from Brian. Take care. Bye-bye.